Welcome to Beyond the Call, the podcast for all law enforcement professionals and all those who support them. Sponsored by the National Police Credit Union. We mean police business. I'm your co-host, Ken Bader, with co-host Casey Smith. Casey, how are you? I'm doing great. I am uh, in sunny Arizona, and I am not bragging because I'm actually sending my good vibes to the Midwest and the East Coast. It is below like 20 degrees in certain areas. Like it's really scary. So I hope everyone's being safe and uh, staying indoors if they can. And I know a a lot of our audience of first responders don't have that luxury. So (laughs) I really do hope that they're being safe. Um, so yeah, I, I just feel very grateful that I, that's not really my reality at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. With you being in Arizona and me being in Los Angeles County in Southern California, I think we're in two of the fewer places <laughs> that that's actually, uh, somewhat warm, but, uh, I know we, yeah. we have at least one of our two guests that's in a warm <laughs> climate. Uh, I know, uh, uh, Deborah Ortiz is in Florida and Tampa, which is, probably not too bad um our other friend brandy lee baker or lee baker as we will call her uh is in new york so we don't want to hear about temperatures there but just real quick (laughs) (laughs) want to tell you a little bit about our our two great guests today we have first as i mentioned lee baker who is a co-founder of the code nine code nine project which we're going to be talking about a lot today um she is the share programs creator program developer and executive facilitator, uh, founder of Positive Constructs, LLC. Wow, a lot of stuff there. Uh, Her mission is to restore quality of life to those suffering from stress-related disorders. And then we also have Deborah Ortiz, who is the other co-founder of the Code 9 Project, uh, facilitator of the SHARE workshops, which we'll get into, uh, creator of the documentary Code 9 Officer Needs Assistance. Um, Definitely going to need to see that. Deborah has established a network of education and support for first responders and their families after her husband's 22-year law enforcement career left him and their family struggling with the effects of his PTSD. And we'll get into that Mm -hmm. as well. But Lee and Deb, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Great to have you. Yeah, we yeah. appreciate this opportunity. Oh, the, the pleasure is all ours. You know, we, we love having new guests and, and to hear about uh, services that are available to, to first responders and especially law enforcement and their families. Uh, and also, it's not too often that, that we have two guests at one time. So this is going to be fun. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, the, probably the most burning question for me and, and much of our audience is, is to learn about the Code 9 Project. Uh, what exactly is the Code 9 Project and how did it get started? And, and also, if you could share a little bit about the driving motivation for both of you to start this organization together. So the... Code 9 Project really started as um, a place really of sheer pain. Mm. Uh, well, I want to say Code 9, you know, the film is is where we started. Okay. Um, I, as, as you stated, my husband served uh, 22 years as a state trooper, also worked uh, with the um, DEA task force uh, for 12 of those years, worked undercover, uh, dealt with a lot of stuff throughout his uh, years, and... Um, was diagnosed with PTSD after he retired. So it was um, 
I think a, a two year period before we realized that he was actually suffering with PTSD. And those two years were beyond imaginable when I look back now. I don't even know how we made it through that, but it was horrifying. It was scary. It was devastating. Um, I didn't know what was happening to my husband. My family was falling apart. Uh, he was no longer the man that I knew. He was somebody completely a stranger in my house, uh, completely paranoid, hypervigilant, um, uh, just talking, just talking stuff that was like, what, what's happening here? Um, everything was a conspiracy. He was uh, surveilling my boys, you know, like he was still on the job. Uh, it was a nightmare. I did not know what to wait. I was going to wake up to in the morning and I was afraid to go to sleep at night. End of story. Wow. That's exactly how my life was. And so when he finally um, <clears throat> was diagnosed with PTSD, which took a very compassionate judge to figure that out, Mike, you know, had got himself into some trouble with the law. <laughs> and uh, he was up in front of a judge, and that judge uh, called me into her chambers and said to me, um, how does a highly decorated uh, state trooper end up in front of me um, in, in a courtroom? Mm -hmm. I broke down hysterically. I told her I didn't know what was happening, and she's the one that said, I think he's maybe suffering with post-traumatic stress disorder. First time I heard that for for an officer and didn't even know this. Mm -hmm. And that was the beginning of that journey, of, uh, the journey of, of, of finding out, of discovery of what may be the um, problem here. And needless to say, that was it. It was, um, you know, um, chronic PTSD. Um, and it was also accumulative PTSD. My husband didn't suffer from one particular incident. Mm -hmm. It was just an accumulation of 22 years of really bad oh. stuff that started to surface in his retirement. Yeah. He pushed it down and pushed it down and pushed it down. And once he was retired, he no longer had the, the you know, time on the job, the brotherhood. The yeah. A purpose for mm. him. That's what he thought. Right. And so um, this was tired 17 years ago. Okay. Mm. 17 years ago. And so when we were looking for help for me, for my family, for every, you know, there was nothing out there. There was yeah. absolutely nothing out there and nothing being, there was nothing being said about PTSD and first responders. And so I became incredibly angry. Like, how can this happen? How can somebody serve this amount of time and do such good and mm -hmm. put their heart and soul into something and not get the help that they need when mm -hmm. they need it? Mm -hmm. So I want to say it started from a place of anger and I had to turn that anger into something creative. And mm -hmm. because that's, that's my nature, create, I, I'm a creative person. And so I decided at that point that a documentary needed to be made. Mm -hmm. And that documentary is called Nine Officer Needs Assistance. And it's just the stories. It's, um, you know, several stories of hundreds and hundreds, thousands of stories yeah. on the effects of stress and trauma on our first responders, if left unresolved, will can lead to PTSD and ultimately suicide. Yeah. Right. So the documentary took five years to make. Um, we raised every single penny from the first responder community online. Um, 
I mean, literally, you know, $65,000 came from the first responder community. They wanted the film to be made. Um, we finished a film. Um, and my goal with the film um, was to reach out the first responders and family members to let them know that they were not alone, yeah. that this is very real, and it's a major, major problem. Um, and to educate the public and let them know, hey, do you really know what it's like to be a police officer? Because this is how they live, and this is what happens. And uh, during that process, um, I was talking, now mind you, five years, I talked to hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of first responders all over who wanted to tell their stories, who were telling me incredibly tragic stories about horrible things, and it eventually got to me. I was having nightmares. Yeah. I was feeling the impact of getting, yeah. you know, it was You're terrible. You're almost getting you know, PTSD was... from doing this project. <laughs> Yeah, it was, it was really, uh, you know, yeah, when I started to have my third or fourth nightmare, I said, you know, okay, so I can't, you know, I can't do this. I, you know, this is very hard. So if I could move on with this to my co-producer, Lisa, um, and she just happened to be um, speaking with uh, Lee Baker. Um, mm. and, and she said, look, I know somebody who does some, some amazing work and I think it might benefit you to talk to her. And actually, I want to say, I kind of backed off a little bit and Lee kind of came at me and said, I'm here, you need, you need to talk. And um, that's how I met Lee. Lee helped me tremendously through that process and other stuff that was going on in my life. And uh, I'm going to let Lee go from here because that's how we met. And that's yeah, let's hear from Lee. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you're going to have to forgive me because I am a little under the weather. So I, I apologize for the, uh, the hoarse voice. Okay. <clears throat> well, that's because you're raspy. in the frozen tundra of New York. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. Stay um, inside, yeah, Lee. Yeah, I wish. <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, yes, yeah, so just picking up from where Deb left off, um, yes, she was referred to me as you um, so kindly introduced me. My day work is the same as what I do or similar to what I do for Code 9 and that I just, I work with people, I assist them with um, uh, moving forward from uh, their struggles. My specialties are anxiety, stress, uh, stress disorders, and conflict. Now a word from our sponsor, the National Police Credit Union. The National Police Credit Union is pleased to introduce Killed in the Line of Duty Loan Protection, a special debt cancellation benefit created exclusively for active full-time law enforcement officers. Available for multiple loans at no cost to the borrower, this complimentary benefit will cancel up to 850000 of the outstanding balance of one or more loans should the unthinkable happen to an officer due to a line of duty incident. Eligible credit union loans includes mortgages and home equity loans, auto, motorcycle, and boat loans, signature loans, uniform loans, tuition loans, student loan consolidations, and credit cards. Killed in the Line of Duty Loan Protection is available only for the qualifying officer and the protection may not be purchased outright. 
This debt cancellation benefit only applies in the case of death. Please see loan addendum upon loan closing for more details. And for more information, please go to nationalpolicecu.com. So, um, you know, my practice is a wellness practice. It's founded in um, why? Why do I do this? Well, I'm a former first responder. I'm also a trauma survivor. And um, wellness has been my lifelong mission for self and for others, uh, like I said, my whole life. Yeah. And, um, you know, the how did Code 9 get to be? Well, um, while Deb had the great fortune of meeting this wonderful judge, I think people come into our lives um, for reasons. Mm -hmm. um, for sure. And yeah, so she started her film in 2010. And what I didn't know, and she didn't know at the time, I was going through um, a very challenging and trying experience with a family member who is a um, <clears throat> Marine vet and a uh, police officer. Mm -hmm. And he passed away in 2010. And um, so well, before his passing, he and I had had uh, a very vulnerable moment where he made me make a promise to him. And at the time, I truly didn't know what that promise was. Um, and he called them gifts at the time, but he basically said, please promise me that you'll do something with your gifts. And uh, that's a, that was a very vulnerable moment, um, looking eye to eye with someone um, who was moving on. So right. uh, I didn't know what that was at the time. Right. Just, uh, but while all of I was experiencing and our family was going through all of this, I had been writing a stress education program for first responders. Um, what I thought was just a cathartic experience for myself, um, as Deb is a very creative person. I do have crea creative elements myself, but I'm very much my mind works in strategy and solution. So, um, you know, just for the purpose of processing the magnitude of systems and the situation, the VA, illness, PTSD, unspoken situations that can't be talked about because of classified information as well as just yeah. the stigma. There was just so many compounds and elements to what, uh, you know, I personally and my family um, was experiencing and the inability to, as, the, as Deb was saying, um, access resources, right? Mm -hmm. So it was, um, as her film was, was a, a healing process or, or a, reconciling process this the stress education program was the same thing for myself and literally it just went up on a closet shelf and moved around I didn't throw it away it was called postures for police at the time and it just traveled with me as I moved around the country um, and went just on closet shelf to closet shelf and then in 2000 Deb help me with the dates here when did we meet was it 2015 yeah was it 2000 was it 2015 or something? I think it was or 14 I'm not sure anyway it was like 2014 when we really were first um yeah because I was almost finished with the film yeah, yeah. okay yeah 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 so at the uh, almost the end of 2014 I get the um privilege of a referral of a woman named Deb Ortiz and um, I assisted her in, in what her needs were and she mentioned this project and because I work with language patterns she asked if I would view the project for 
um, advisement on look, the content's very triggering, right? So she just wanted to make sure that there wasn't extra language that um, would heighten those triggers, et cetera. And I said, of course. Mm-hmm. So I watched the film and went, oh my goodness, there's that promise from five plus years ago. Right. And uh, the, I, I took the, the program down and, and called her up and said, here's the suggestions in, of advisement for the, you know, the language of the film. And by the way, um, your film opens the door to the situation and it's, it's education, not only for first responder mm-hmm. families, so they don't feel alone in first responders themselves, but also the public, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, to what's going on. And here, here's this program that might be part of the solution because there is no one thing for first responders suffering from PTSD and stress uh, related um, um, challenges from their careers. There isn't, you know, it's, it's, it's it's a multitude of therapy, support, Mm -hmm. self-care, et cetera. So uh, that's how we were born pretty much. (laughs) That is awesome. Yeah, yeah. No, you were definitely destined story. to meet. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it really was interesting. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then we became a a national nonprofit. So yep, and and yep. from there we just like the judge and and Deb and whatnot, we were very fortunate to meet some pioneers yeah. in um there in law enforcement and the first responder communities in police departments that were just we're doing these programs we want to do this and they you know they were very much a big part of pushing code nine to its national status yeah yeah it's it's interesting that you know i don't think you know it it doesn't seem like that like like you had mentioned deb that that anybody really really knew about ptsd outside of maybe the military until like maybe a few years ago at least that's as a as a layman who who's never been in law enforcement or a first responder it it seems that way and it, it also seems like we've come a long way thankfully in just the last few years um, just a, a real quick side story, you know, since I started doing this, this show with Casey, you know, I've talked to my father about the show and, and he's, he's a teacher. So, or was a teacher. So he's got PTSD of people not doing their assignments and crap like that. Uh, but his, but his father, my grandfather, who I barely knew, uh, fought in world war II. And my dad mentioned that, you know, in talking to his mom, my, my grandmother, that when he came back from that war, that he was a very, very different person. And this was, you know, at a time where, you know, nobody even knew what the heck PTSD was. <laughs> you know, I don't think it was even yeah, diagnosed. It was, it was shell shock. Yeah. Yeah, it was shell shock. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, um, I, I can only imagine, I mean, I haven't experienced it, but I am glad that, um, once you saw that there was a need to be that you, you, a probably recognized that your husband wasn't the only one experiencing these things. It was like, we have to find solutions because, you know, we, we got to take care of our, our, our cops. I mean, it's just the reality. Um, so it looks like you offer a number of different services. Can you tell our audience what's available from the Code Nine Project? I know you touched on some of it, but sure, you could expound a bit. Yep. Yeah. So the first program um, is Share. It stands for self self help and responsive education. And under 
the SHARE acronym, uh, we offer multiple programs and also some tools. The first is the first responder training, and that's a two-day intensive uh, stress education and resource um, provision uh, training. And that basically we, we go through the educational process of um, your nervous system and why things might be happening and, and what's happening and then provide tools for managing it and as well as introductions if they aren't already into uh, resources for counseling and clinicians um, assistance should they need it if they're really struggling. Um, so there's the first responder training, there's the command staff training because here's the thing, uh, the leaders in departments, if they don't have the education, if they don't have the understanding and the, and the resources themselves, the chances right. of wellness programs and PTSD awareness and whatnot within the departments is very, and their success and sustainability is, is, is very um, limited. So we have a command staff program. We have a family program. We treat the family as a unit. We serve the family as a unit because family members are the first, um, as Deb so eloquently has stated, you know, they're the first to, um, to see the signs and be the recipients right. of it. Right. Uh, so, you know, um, a lot of, uh, and unknowingly, a lot of triggers and um, less than helpful dynamics for both family members and first responders are occurring because there's no awareness. Family members just don't understand. Right. Um, so they're thinking, you know, these behavioral outbursts are, oh, my husband or wife is just being not nice, you know, mm -hmm. not understanding that these are actual symptoms of uh, a much deeper um, situation. So there's a family program, that's one day. Mm -hmm. And then we have an intro to peer support for, for departments uh, that do not have existing peer support programs and for those that do, but don't have a universal language. Because, you know, when all this started, it was these pop-up programs, wonderful, it's great that they're out there, but everyone's getting trained in different places and coming back and there's not a universal language or pivot point for the program's success. Right. Right. So it serves as a, um, a universal uh, language and training model that's uh, able to be reproduced and new, any new peer members coming on board, they now have a, uh, you know, a universal language to train everyone from. And then we have the Share First Responder Meditation Series, and those are available nationwide to anyone, the public. They're available on iTunes, um, Amazon, and Google Play. Mm -hmm. And the purpose behind that is meditation is extremely beneficial uh, for all of us in the world, in this mm -hmm. fast-paced world, but certainly for an overstimulated nervous system. However, the, the meditation programs that are available to the public are too intense and comprehensive hmm. for an overstimulated nervous system. Speaking firsthand, I mean, I, I understand this from an experiential basis myself. So the idea behind providing these meditations was to offer short, easy-to-follow introductions to just open the door, so to speak, for first responders. And there's, um, Deb, you can expound on this because she's so wonderful in getting all of this up on these platforms. I think there's nine yeah. <laughs> available yeah, in the address. Yes. <laughs> they, ad they address stress, sleep, grief and loss, rage and anger, anxiety, tension, um, how to reset when you get off your shift to moving into family life for the rest of your day. So, mm -hmm. 
their their practical resources to assist in just um, living without mm-hmm. <laughs> without the expense of, of your career at the expense of your career. You know, so there's that. That's all part of the SHARE program. Then we have the TUF Universal Peer Support Program. That stands for Talk, Unwind, and Focus. That is an, uh, a wellness-based peer support program that we are launching national chapters around the country. And the purpose behind that is many, many first responders, specifically law enforcement, mm-hmm. um, even if there is a peer support program available, Mm-hmm. Because of the confidentiality issue, um, yeah. and with you know federal agent with federal agencies, they they absolutely you know they they are not they can't they can't risk their careers to show up in places that their um you know their their privacy will be compromised. Right. So for anyone, and this is so there's no mm-hmm. red tape, um, and we don't take attendance. There's no record mm-hmm. keeping. It's literally a support group and every chapter is run exactly the same way so that means if you come to our once a month meeting there's they're uh, held once a month on saturdays if you come you know exactly what to expect because it's run exactly the same way right i love that and now you've and, you've, you've basically um, answered all of our questions so we can end the end never mind <laughs> 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 I, I and and yeah. I'm sure I've forgotten some things because we do a lot. We try to serve as a, a, a tree, essentially, with many branches to offer right. as resources. So Deb, please chime in if yeah. I've forgotten anything. I know we have community events. Are, yeah, yeah, Deb. Those are all our programs. We also offer confidential. You know, people that are uh, first responders and family members will reach out to us looking for local resources. <clears throat> and what we do is. Um, we help them find local resources confidentially um, in their areas, you know, therapy, um, whatever they're looking for, counseling, family, you know, uh, couples counseling, whatever that may be that they're looking for. We do everything in our power to help find them resources in their area to help them make it through a very difficult time. Um, and also community events. Like Lee said, you know, we, we had a, a great uh, program we have a great program called uh, Hugs Not Harm, and that's an uh, an event where kids are are brought together with their local first responders, and um, they get to meet them. They get to take a pledge and say that they will be kind and respectful to their neighbors mm-hmm. and first responders, and also learn that their first responders are there to help them, yeah. not to hurt them. And so it gives them a, a bridge to help them understand that, you know, this whole thing like, oh, if you're bad, I'm going to call the cops on you. Well, that's not true. The cops right. are there to help you. They're not there to hurt you. Um, yeah, I I can't stand when these kids are being threatened by police officers. It's, you know, it's terrible. Um, yeah. And so we also have, um, we've done an amazing walk and we're talking about a few more walks that are coming up. Um, steps for change mm-hmm. and um, Lee and I and a detective um, Elliot from um, Falls Church we did the first step for change and we walked from Virginia to the uh, Memorial Wall in Washington DC mm-hmm. oh. down in the memorial um, for officers who have died by suicide yeah. um, since they're not recognized on the wall right mm-hmm. now um, no. we, we wanted be. to Yes, I agree. And um, so we have all these ways to try to help bridge the gap between the community. You know, I mean, 
there's Lee. Okay, I, I just want to say this as well. We have a team. Um, and when we go to the, 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 the police departments and organizations, they reach out to us. We do not reach out to them. They reach out to us and they say, we, want, we would like to talk mm -hmm. to you about your programs. We speak with them. We then get, give them the information and they say, yes, we want mm -hmm. your program. So we get a team together. Um, and our team members are comprised of both active and retired or former first responders. Mm -hmm. Okay. They have dealt or are been diagnosed with PTSD um, and are fully functioning. Mm -hmm. We have officers with PTSD that are still on the job mm -hmm. um, with great uh, support from their departments. So everyone that is on our team has been there and done that, right. has walked this walk. We are true peers to the um, people that we are serving. Mm -hmm. Right. Now, has has any um, department or or um, you know association or anything like that have they ever reached out looking for services where you're um, you're working with recruits or recruits that have just come out of the academy and their families to kind of get ahead of some of this stuff like what to expect and you know trying to kind of have some preemptives sort of uh sort of that's a really great question and the answer is hardly ever <laughs> yeah so we've done a couple um <laughs> on a very small level and i think what you said is incredibly important that this kind of training should be implemented into their right. training from day one and i think lee and i are just doing everything that yeah. we can yeah. to let them understand how, how cool this should be part of their Absolutely. training their whole career and right. there's just no way around this. And I think I was speaking earlier to you, Ken, about um, about culture change. Mm -hmm. And this is about changing the culture. And this is about really taking a look, shaking it up and saying, okay, this isn't working anymore. And what do we do to, to actually yeah. help our men and women? Right. Well, having having done uh, culture change, culture building programs for businesses and organizations, I'll tell you that's one of the toughest damn things uh, to to get to get done. Yeah. And especially in society, and also in a profession like law enforcement, um, that generally doesn't accept change too well. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah. Lee, how many Lee, how many times do we walk into a training and tell them what sometimes that could be like? You know, it's very, you know. Well, there's, you know, um, look, just like we talked about our organization, uh, we face darkness with light, right? We understand that the way to um, facilitate change is not to resist the system, but to embrace it and mm -hmm. educate and work with it, right? So, with that said. There is a tremendous amount of frustration and anger in these uh, participants' mm -hmm. um, process of why wasn't this available sooner? I mean, heart, it, you know, it's heart-wrenching, of course, to, to bear witness to this. Mm -hmm. And, you know, our answer to that is we don't have an answer, but we're here now. And mm -hmm. all you have are these moments now and moving forward. So it's right. a start you know, for them to understand that, y yes, it is very sad and troubling that, you know, many years you have been silently struggling and your quality of life was compromised. Yeah. There's no excuse for that. But yeah. today you have an opportunity for yourself and for your peers 
to change that. And the resources and the education and the tools that you have are tools to be used by yourself every day and to share with others. And so we try our very best to assist in validating that, yes, you're right. There's no excuse. We've all been silent and suffering. However, today and moving forward, we can all be part of the solution. Right. Right. Well, you, you you mentioned the resources and we already very much hit on the share training, uh, but yeah, maybe you can give us a little bit more detail, especially in terms of how somebody can get access to share training, meaning does a department call you and say, we, we want this in our place, or is it an individual uh, type of reach out? Exactly. How, how do people that need it get access to the share training? You know, well, there's a good thing. I'll just start off with, um, I can tell you that, um, sometimes it's the department reaching out, but I want to give like everyone the opportunity to understand that one person can make a difference. Mm -hmm. And I can't tell you how many times an officer has reached out and said, I want to bring this to my department. And against all odds was able to get their department to get code nine there. Yeah. And so they are truly, you know, amazing in, making change happen um, or bringing the information and saying, code nine, give me everything I can arm me with all the information so I can bring it to um, my superiors. And, um, and then the department will reach out to us. It does. It's happened many times. Um, and sometimes we won't hear from them for a year, but then a year later, the department says, okay, we want to do it. it. Yes. Yeah. Right. Awesome. That's awesome. May I, may I offer our ask? Sure. <laughs> to the public, our ask as you know, okay, great. Sure, we'll we'll Thank edit it you. out. But our... Go ahead and, and, and <laughs> <edit it> <laughs> I hope not. I hope not. No um, I promise our ask I will not edit to it the out. public at large. Thank you. Yeah. Our ask to the public at large is um, you know, going back to that heartfelt you know, our hearts being crushed when you have all these officers with some of them with you know, they've accessed their own truth and their vulnerability and they're sharing their grief and pain openly. Like why wasn't this available? You know, like um, our goal is to get the public. It's why we do these community outreach programs. It's why we're on shows like yours and others. I'm not um, super excited about being out and about in the spotlight. As Deb knows, I like to fly under the radar, Um, but it's worth it because here's the thing. No department should have to pay for this. That's no right. department right. should have to incur a cost. And we don't, we don't make a profit on this. Let's just be clear. Everyone, everyone's, you know, volunteering their time and juggling their own personal lives and trying to find ways to make time, get time off and whatever, so that we can come and do this outreach sort of thing. And it's really just the travel cost and the expenses of the materials and right. et cetera. But it's a lot, you know, flights right. and hotels and whatnot. No department should have to pay that. They're, they're, our goal is to have a scholarship fund so that when a department that calls us in crisis, that's, that's you know, si- secretly sharing, our department just had an interdepartmental suicide and we're a mess and we don't have a budget at all. It's not that we don't want to pay. We just don't know what to do and they're lost. Yeah. We don't want to have to say no. We don't have to say, oh, wait, we got to raise money and it's for, it to, for it to take six months. No mm-hmm. department should have to suffer like that because there are still calls that are happening every single day that they have to answer. They can't say no. And the public at large doesn't understand that. It's our job. Our job is community members that do understand it to educate them so that then when they're making donations to organizations, 
they're making, they're understanding that there are organizations like ours and others available that they can truly make a difference because those dollars go towards mental health training so that their first responders are healthy in their community and can serve. And again, well, that's my and, and that's wonderful because we have had individuals who have been able to do that. So yeah. it can be done. It's absolutely possible. Communities can come together and say, we want to bring this training to our area. So right. it, yeah, I mean, it's not an easy task, but those who are truly invested um, and just even like, even not even putting in the time, you know, you know, we're a small nonprofit. So we're making donations, you know, know that, um, you know, we rely heavily on that type of stuff because we have to, we have, I'm very grateful and, and happy to say that we have never once said no to a department. Yeah. We have always figured out a way to get there. Always. Yeah. And yeah. a lot of that money came out of our pockets yeah. Um, yeah, that's true. from the beginning. So we have never turned the department down, but God help us the day that we have to. Yeah. Yeah. Lee, you, um, you mentioned earlier a little bit about the share meditation, um, which caught my attention because I'm trying to get more into meditation. No, um, great. Yeah, but um, I know that like from the perspective of a lot of officers, just because, you know, I've worked with him for several years, it can sound a little bit, you know, flower child and hipster yeah. thing to do. Um, hey, can it you... sounded that way to me too when I got yeah, introduced. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I kind of was hoping that maybe you could maybe provide some uh, stigma related, like taking the stigma away. Like why sure. yeah. want to do this? Okay. So, you know, like I said, um, my brain is a, a brain of solution and strategy. It likes to understand things, right? I like creativity and, oh, yes, I'm a happy person and whatnot. But uh, the science behind things is intriguing to me and I need to understand, right? Mm. So, the principle of meditation is to slow the, the electricity, the electrical currents that are overactive in our brain. And mm -hmm. if we look at it like that, like, how are you feeling today? And your response is, well, we, I'm kind of pissed. Can I say pissed off on you? Yes. Um, yeah, yeah. Say ass. Okay, good. All right. I should have asked that before we started this. Sorry. <laughs> you know, if, if, if maybe you're feeling really, you woke up feeling really, you know, I call it general pissed offedness. You know, mm. you wake up and you're just pissed off. Yeah. Right. And, and there's no real tangible or intellectual answer that you can tap into. Well, the answer is, your brain is overactive. All the electrical currents in your brain are just fire, 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 fire. They're go, 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 because that's what it's been habituated to do, right? It's, it's a process of survival. Right. And the only way to assist yourself in healing, and, and what do I mean by healing? I mean to feel better, right, mm -hmm. is to slow that process down. It is a process, right? right. So we have to go step by step. And sitting in silence, which, by the way, is one of the most challenging things, even for a minute, mm -hmm. for someone that, A, is a doer, mm -hmm. and B, is overstimulated. Right. So we've made these meditations very accessible. And, by the way, we're also operative. We're action-oriented individuals. We are, this is, this is what you need to do, and this is how you need to do it. Mm -hmm. So doing guided meditations 
you are you have that directive there so you're not relying on your brain which can also be overstimulating in other words it's not like read this book or go to a class and then you have to replicate it on your own right. this the, the the guided meditations they're all guided is exactly that it gives you it guides you into what to do and how to do it and they're short enough that of course the first couple of times you do it you're probably not going to feel great or you might have some relief or you're just going to be kind of curious or drawn to it. Uh, those are all expected. There's, there's no quick fix, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, just, I want to chime in here because we do the guided meditations in our workshops and our training. Mm -hmm. And let me just simply put it this way. They do it because we ask them to do it. Yeah. <laughs> some hesitation in the beginning. But I can't even tell you how many times we are told afterwards, thank you so much. All right. May ask for more. <laughs> yes. So the bottom line is give it a try because my same thing with my husband, he was so hesitant to meditate. He said, well, so I, just like you said, I swear these were his words. Yeah. What? Some hippie's going to come out smoking his joint. <laughs> yeah. and, you know, he said, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. Um, yeah. And it was the most effective tool he has ever learned. That's I it. love that, try. Debbie. Well, try it. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah, well, we've, gone, we've, we've hit on a lot of different aspects of the Code 9 project. Uh, what I want to know for each of you, uh, what is your number one most favorite aspect of the Code 9 project? We'll start with Deb, just because she's in the upper left-hand corner of our screen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my most favorite aspect. Well, I could say my most gratifying aspect yeah. is when an or family member sends us an email saying if I'm sorry this is a little emotional no, but um you saved our lives yeah thank you if it wasn't for code nine project I don't know if I would be here today yeah. wow. that is everything that we need to keep moving forward well well top that Lee um <laughs> <laughs> uh, my greatest the greatest um, joy of this work, truly, because I understand it, as I stated, from um, an experiential place, is watching human beings that have served their country and their community sit in their stuff and trust our team mm -hmm. and the environment enough to walk through it. Nice. That, that that is one of the greatest challenges as a human being and it is such an honor to be able to provide that space and for the individuals to take the invitation and use it wow powerful stuff powerful stuff. by the way yeah. uh, lee you mentioned that you were a first responder were you a police officer firefighter emt ems EMS. <laughs> yep. Okay. Okay. Well, you know, we, we've awesome. talked a lot about PTSD and, and a lot of the great work that, that you do. Um, I, kn I know we've got a little bit of a challenge coming here from, from Casey. I don't mm -hmm. think it's ever caused any PTSD, but we have a little semi-lightning <laughs> round that we do at the end of our show with our guests. So, Casey, take it away. <laughs> <laughs> okay, ladies. Um, don't be alarmed. It's a lot of fun. Okay. 
Cool. Uh, I like fun. Yeah. So the first question, your favorite fictional crime fighter of all time. It could be a human, an animal, a superhero, or a machine. Scooby yeah. Doo! Wow, that's, that's so funny. That's easy. You have Scooby Doo! That's so funny. She that's, truly loves Scooby Doo. That is awesome. <laughs> oh, gosh, I don't even know how to answer this. Um, um, you can use my, my answer. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to say Spider Man. Ah, see now that <laughs> that's my Spider-Man. favorite. That's my favorite. So you, you, <laughs> you and I are together on that one. <laughs> yeah. There, there's a bunch of new Spider-Mans coming out. We got a spider universe, all sorts of stuff. So you guys should be in spider heaven right now. Yeah, you know, I, 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 like, I like just the Peter Parker version. I don't need a whole freaking universe. I haven't even seen that movie. Something about, paying, well, I, something about paying 15 bucks to see a cartoon on a screen. <laughs> well, I've heard, I've heard some amazing things, Ken. So maybe okay. when it comes on DVD, you might want to check it. It's winning awards. It's winning it, awards. It has been, yeah. right? So... <laughs> Netflix. Have to check it out. All right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, number two, uh, the best buddy cop movie or TV show? Oh my God, the one with um oh um was it Nick Nolte and it was an old one. Um, Forty eight hours. Forty eight hours, man. Yeah, oh, that's that one of my favorites nice. too. Yeah, Eddie Murphy oh, and Nick Nolte. Yeah. Hours, that's good. <laughs> nice. Yeah, and, yeah, that was one of my favorites. Awesome. How about you, Lee? I'm going to have to go with Jack Shepard, Chip. Oh, Chip. Oh, Chip. Okay, yeah. Yes. <laughs> they did. They remade that, right? If I, I'm not- it was awesome. I can't speak on that, but it was funny and it was good. <laughs> awesome. All right. Number three, what is your definition of a hero? Oh my goodness. A definition of a hero to me. I got one. All right, go ahead, Lee. We'll give Deb a chance to think. (laughs) Yeah. A a true hero? Yep. Is someone that takes action for the betterment of others without any ask in return. Mm. Excellent. For me, a true hero, um, on top of what Lee said, is um the you know i i don't i want to put this and make sure that i'm wording this the right way but the person that who is absolutely courageous enough to say um this is happening to me um that has the courage to speak up about what they're struggling about um that's courageous that's you know heroism that's that's I, I, I can't tell you when I watch people who have been, that come out and say, I've been struggling um, and how much that actually helps so many others. So that's, that, that's a hero. I love that. that that's actually a, a new one for us. And yes. I, I love it. Excellent. Um, number four, who would you say is your hero or the person you admire the most? Wow. <laughs> Wow. I, I never even thought uh, of that. Something higher than but, myself. I don't want to, you know, I don't put a yeah. label. You can call it whatever you want. But I mean, yeah. there's no happy accident that I'm here. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I can't explain it. Sometimes, you know, and there's been, there's been a lot of whys in the face of a lot of loss. And 
clearly that energy is a powerful energy and it's a guide and a hero and a, a lesson in itself. So that's my answer. Wonderful. Yeah, um, that's a real, you know, gosh, how do I answer this? Oh, I don't know. I actually don't know how to answer, but um, my first thought was, you know, I am inspired by the Mm -hmm. growth that my husband has made himself. Um, Very inspired and watching the change he's made over the years. And myself, and myself, I, you know, I am, you know, I've come very, very far myself. And um, for that, I'm grateful. Yes. I love that you guys, these are awesome. All right. Well, lastly, how could they find uh, code nine project? You know, all of all the work you're doing on social media. Let me start with that. We are project on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Our website um, is code nine. This is the number nine code nine project.org is our actual website you can contact us our phone number is on there our email address is on there all the work that we do is on there you can get all the information um about us there awesome 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 Awesome. (laughs) well i'm i feel i feel like i've been privileged this morning to spend an hour with three great ladies so so thank all of you uh yeah especially deb and lee for for taking some time out of your day and uh and speaking to us and and familiarizing our audience with the code nine project you guys are doing great things and and i personally yes. really appreciate it thank you very much absolutely well, we thank you for the opportunity truly our it pleasure. was our pleasure our all pleasure. right Casey, why don't before we before we wrap up and we talk about Scooby Doo and Shaggy and all those characters, uh, why don't you tell why don't you tell our audience uh, how they can find Beyond the Call? Yes, uh, if you want to learn more or check out our episodes, go to nationalpolicecu.com forward slash podcast. You'll find all of our episodes there, including this excellent episode. Uh, While you're on that website, be sure to check out all of our credit union news, updates, promotions. Uh, Our savings and loan rates are always excellent. We did roll out uh, the killed in the line of duty insurance this year, and it's not something anyone wants to think about, but very very important for uh, the law enforcement community and um, it's something that's free to our to our members so certainly take advantage of that be sure to to share this podcast rated on itunes google play stitcher uh, soundcloud anywhere you find podcasts and if there's anyone you'd like to submit as a guest that you think would be a great feature uh, go to nationalpolicecu.com forward slash podcast again and you'll see a link at the bottom of the page so uh, thank you all for listening have a great week and stay safe out there take care everybody <laughs>